Folks, if you're liking what you're getting from 30MPC, the number one way you can support us is by subscribing to our newsletter. Every week, you only get two emails. On Monday, you get a content roll-up of everything that dropped last week. And on Fridays, I pick one topic and I personally write a deep dive on things like how to cold call, how to run a discovery call, or even how to hire an AE. So if you're liking what you're getting here, take two seconds, go to the show notes. You'll see a button to subscribe to our newsletter, or you can go to 30mpc.com backslash newsletter and do it there. We'll catch you soon. Cheers. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this episode of 30 Minutes to President's Club. My name's Armand Farouk. I'm here with my co-host, Nick Sigelski. And today, we have from one of the baddest companies out there, one of the number one or one of the top reps from the one and only Slack. Her name is Tony Makan, and she's actually about to start a new gig leading enterprise sales over at Productive. Nick, why should people listen? Armand, I've used Slack at a couple different companies, and there are probably a million different combinations and permutations and integrations that you could set up with Slack. Like selling Slack is a true enterprise sale, and we've got a true enterprise seller sharing some wonderful best practices today. Three, two, one, truly great sponsors. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. If you get an email and the action required on that email is going to take you less than two minutes to do, do it on the spot. It's not worth adding it to your to-do list, having to look at the item, remember what you need to do. That's going to take you more than two minutes anyway. So do it on the spot, get it off your plate. Now we documented our best templates and tips to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang. And you can get that documentation for free at the link in the show notes. This week's actionable prospecting tactic is from Sixth Sense, who shows you the prospects who are most likely to buy so you can get more meetings with fewer activities. Personalizing cold emails requires you to only change the first paragraph in a trigger template. All you have to do is tie the research to the problem you solve in paragraph one, and then switch that out while you leave paragraphs two and three, your solution and call to action, exactly the same. And so we are giving you six of these trigger templates with our partners at Sixth Sense. The link is in the show notes. Gong's going to help you run the five-minute drill at the end of all of your calls today. At the end of a call, pressure test the prospect with three questions. Number one, do you want to buy? If the answer is no, why set a next step at all? Number two, when do you want to buy? If it's tomorrow, we got to move fast. Number three, how do you buy? Based on the first two answers, I can now adequately decide if and how I set a next step. And this was stolen from the Gong 30 MPC 90 Minute Masterclass, and you can steal it too in the show notes. Today's deal acceleration cheat code is brought to you by Pipedrive, which is a CRM built by sellers for sellers. The best way to drive your pipeline forward is to every single day pull up a list of all of your open opportunities and look at each opportunity by stage and think, what can I do today that will increase my likelihood of winning this deal? That's how you keep your ops moving forward in between meetings that you have on the calendar. Now, we documented five cheat codes that can help you cut your sales cycle in half with Pipedrive. There's a link in the show notes to steal them. Today's tactic to triple your connect rate is brought to you by RocketReach, who provides data that lets you reach out to the right person at the right account at the right time. Every time you're reaching out to an account, pull down the contacts again. Yes, I know it sucks, but the average tech tenure is two years, which means 50% of the workforce turns over every year. So look up the account, pull anyone who was hired and scratch anyone who was left. And one way you can pull verified and accurate data is with Rocket Reach. So if you like this, check out their toolkit on eight ways to triple your cold call connects in the show notes. 
All right, Tanima, welcome to 30 Minutes to President's Club. We start every single episode with your top three actionable takeaways. So let's get your three. Yeah, Nick, thanks. So the first one for me is becoming a student of the customer's business. I think it's really important to understand, just not come with product feature functionality focus, not like what you're selling, but really trying to understand the person that you're speaking to, the persona that you're speaking to, the company, the industry that they're in and what they care about. So say, let's say, for example, you're talking to a customer in the retail space and you want to reach out to them with retail specific messaging. How are they trying to grow revenue? How is the supply chain affecting their business, the issues with the global supply chain and COVID? How are they thinking of mobile and e-commerce as it relates to their business? But those are just examples based on whoever you speak to. You want to make sure that you are coming in with the lens of their focus or what they're interested in and tying that to your questioning and your interactions. Beautiful. What's number two? Number two is going to be give before asking to receive. This is something that I am really passionate about. I think everyone, us included, get reached out to by hundreds of people a day, emails, what have you. And everyone's like telling us about some new product or some new thing that's going to help us out. But it's not focused on me. So I think it's really important when you reach out to people that you're giving them something before you ask them for an audience or attention or a conversation. So that could be sharing articles with them about, I don't know, return to work, sharing articles about things that they'd be interested in, sharing articles or reference stories about other customers that are similar to them that have used your software. Here's what eBay's doing, and this is why I think you'd be interested. Also sharing maybe swag, like we love to share socks or send out socks, Slack socks to customers and say, hey, thanks for being a great customer of ours. Here are some socks. We'd love to hear how you're doing or how you're enjoying the platform. Or then sending them to an event, concerts, events. I know those are closed down now, but very soon when they open up again, inviting people to sporting events, concerts, games, what have you. It really opens up the dialogue and builds that trust and credibility to earn that right to have a conversation with them. Round us out. What's number three? Number three is don't jump to demo. Discovery, discovery, discovery. You know, lots of people sometimes they want to just, all right, show me what you have. Or you really want to understand the person, the company, and the industry that you're going to be showing a demo to before you jump to it. So it's important when they ask you, show me a demo, to pause and say, I'd love to show you a demo, but before we do that, can you help me better understand, like, what are you interested in? What are you focused on? What are you doing today? How is it working out? How can we help change that? What are you looking to achieve? Because that gives you a better idea of what their challenges and their pain points are so you can tailor the demo and your messaging to help them and that thereby leading to a better outcome, which ideally would be a next meeting and opportunity. Your approach to prospecting in the enterprise is very different. So I guess first question just for the audience, typically how many accounts are in your book at any given point in time? About five to seven. Okay, so literally five to seven accounts. And this is super different from even mid-market selling where you have hundreds of accounts. And one other thing I hear from reps all the time is like, my territory's small. I only have 400 accounts. I can work 25 a week. And then I got to go back to the first one. But you've got like seven. And so what's the right way to 
rework accounts over an extended period of time without just like fatiguing my customers and burning the seven accounts that I have. Yeah, I think it's really important whether you have 400 accounts or seven accounts to first build a white space of that book of business, of your territory. What are your prime targets going to be? What are your secondary targets going to be? And like tearing them out because you don't want to hit seven all hard. You don't want to hit 400 all hard. I don't even think that's possible humanly. So you want to target it out and segment them out. The way you do that goes back to what I kind of said with my action, with my takeaways, which is becoming a student of the customer's business. You want to kind of take a look at What's their spend? How are they trending? Are they in high tech? Are they, if they're in high tech, they're going to be hiring a lot. Are they in retail? They're going to be focused on mobile a lot in e-commerce. Understanding those trends helps you kind of build a thoughtful perspective on who you should go after. Are these the type of customers, maybe supply chain is what really sells in your, in your company. Let's go after the supply chain customers and target those first. Once you do that, I think it becomes easier or it becomes more organized for you to have that outreach. Once you have that figured out, I think it's important to develop certain cadences based on those segments. So for this type of customer that's in your A segment, I'm going to target customer reference stories. Maybe let's say again, their supply chain. I'm going to share reference stories of other supply chain customers that we've sold to and those value stories with that target. And I'm going to send it on a weekly cadence or bi-weekly or what have you, just so that they, again, have your name in front of them and like, oh my gosh, Armand sends me really helpful information about what other customers and peers are doing in this space. I want to talk to this guy. We like to follow our top executives that we're targeting on Twitter. And what are they saying? Companies as well. That helps you target your messaging to them. Yeah. Just doing a variety of different things and multi-threading. So- I mean, it sounds like a big part of your job is like, you guys are Slack, you're experts in the collaboration space. And I've heard you mention the idea of multi-threading multiple times. And I feel like a big part of your sale and your job is like connecting insights between like how a CFO and a CIO at the same organization might like work together better. And you guys enable that with the technology that you have. And like, you're saying, Hey, have you guys thought about taking this approach? Like, can you talk a little bit about this whole multi-threading thing that you're doing? Because I've done it, but yours is like a true enterprise multi-thread motion. I think it starts again, I'm going to go high level and I'll give you some examples. I think it starts with, let's say, for example, I was speaking to a very old school pioneer technology company, hardware, software, the full gamut cloud, which is what everyone does these days. I think it's really important to go in and understand where their business is focused. So being a student of their business, developing a point of view, and this doesn't mean just reading their 10K and regurgitating their 10K back to them. It's really taking a thoughtful lens at it. So in this case, this customer is a traditionally hardware customer. They've been along for a long time. They're looking to foray into software and cloud. That's new for them. So they're hiring new talent right? They're hiring software engineers where they've traditionally had hardware engineers. That's a completely different skill set and type of person that you're bringing on. They're hiring cloud architects, also completely different than the hardware engineering side. So that's like the onboarding, right? The talent aspect, like how are they going to do this? That's the HR lens. From a go-to-market lens, they're going to need salespeople that understand how to sell SaaS and software now, not just hardware, not just things you can physically feel and touch. Um, but software. 
that ties into your CRO, that ties into your chief operating officer, just things that they would care about. You want to develop that point of view, conjecture, if you will. And then you're reaching out, again, multi-threaded to these different lines within the organization, tailored messaging. So to the CFO, I might send, this is how we've helped other high-tech companies, some of your peers and your competitors in this way to save money, increase productivity, reduce your overall software spend, improve overall productivity. That's to the CFO and COO. To the CRO, here's how we've helped other customers and peers of yours faster time to market, deliver product faster, sell faster, shorten sales cycles, because that's what the CRO is interested in. To the CHRO, here's how we help engage your talent. Here's how we can can facilitate the onboarding process. It's everyone's onboarding remote. This is how Slack can help you onboard remotely and bring your people, make them more productive in a faster ramp time. So again, it's the different targeted messaging for each line of business that you're reaching out to those personas with. So Tanima, you're reaching out to all these different folks with different messaging. And oftentimes when I get that meeting on the account with someone that I know I like to sell to, I'll stop my outreach on the other departments. But if you get a meeting with the CFO or the CMO, do you stop your outreach on the CRO and the COO? Or do you like keep attacking the account from all angles until you close every single department? Absolutely. You don't stop. I think in terms of Slack, and at least for us, like you said, we only have five to seven accounts. If we're going to hit our number for the year, it has to be with a ginormous elephant deal. And that's only going to happen if you're selling to the entire customer, right? We're only going to get a couple of at-bats with five to seven accounts. You want to have 3x pipe. That's hard to do in five to seven accounts year over year. So you really need to have a couple of elephant targets. Like they might not even, for us, I sold to a customer that had zero Slack spend. They didn't even know what Slack was. It's the customer I just talked to you about. And my vision was I'm going to come in and I want you guys to use Slack for all 70,000 employees because that is going to 5X my opportunity size and help me make my number for the year with one deal. I think it's really important that Even if you get a meeting with the CFO and before you even get to the CFO, you want to talk to the lieutenants. You want to talk to when I say uh, wide and deep, you want to don't just want to go straight to the executive. You want to develop that point of view by doing discovery with the analyst, with the operations manager, with the people, the directors, the VPs. You want to develop and create the story using their lingo and their language and their experience and then present to the executive. At the same time, don't just stop because the CFO reached out to you. That's awesome. You got the meeting. But here's we can also help HR and we can also help IT. And they might not even know it. In the case of this customer, they're using email, which a lot of our customers are doing these days. That's how they collaborate. They're in silos. They're working remote. They can't talk to each other. They don't even know how Slack can help them. And it's up to us to present that vision to them. And you can only do that. You can only sell that ginormous deal If you have allies across the business in finance, this is how we're going to help finance. This is how we're going to help IT. This is how we're going to help HR. This is how we're going to help sales. 
and painting that vision, bringing them all together, and this is how we're going to do it, that's what helps move the needle and get these larger monster-sized deals done. Let's say I get that first meeting with the CMO, for example. A CMO or chief marketing officer might be, oh, here's how my function needs to use it. Here's how product marketing needs to talk to content marketing, needs to talk to this and that. And you might spend a month or two just talking through the marketing use case with that team. But you know you need to get to other parts in the business as well. So I'm curious, like, how much do you push for that through the CMO early on versus just try to focus on that part of the sale and then do your outbound otherwise? How do you manage that value sale across segments? Yeah, that's a great question. I talked about external reference selling. I think internal reference selling is also really important. So talking to the CMO, hey, I don't know, Judy, this is great. This is how we can help you. We also, other customers that we've worked with, like yours, and I'll drop names, XYZ customer, this customer, this is how we help them with their product partners and their sales partners as well. I'd love to talk to those folks. Could you grant me access? Could we bring that person into the next meeting? So leveraging that relationship as a reference, right? The chief product officer is going to be more willing to listen to Judy, the chief marketing officer, than Tonima. And so that gives me an angle to get in with the product team. I think that's the internal selling motion. And then you really want to help develop value stories. That's a really big thing at Slack is developing value stories. We've created this brand new product. It's a new space. People don't even know how to use it. They just think it's a chat tool. It's so much more than chat. Painting that vision, you need to do so with specific value stories relevant to that customer's business. I'll give you an example Uh, have an account out here in the Valley, one of the leading e-commerce platforms, you can guess who they are. We were talking to their IT department and it was just for IT. They want to, IT and engineering and the technical team. They want to use Jira. They want to integrate their other dev tools into Slack. Their CEO's vision and their CIO's vision was to change their whole, how they interact with each other internally. So not just how they deliver for their customers, but also how they deliver for their internal customers, their employees. How are they going to do that? That's where collaboration fits in. We really latched onto that topic and that theme throughout all of our interactions. So bringing everything back, not just how are we integrating with Jira or how are we going to integrate with Zoom, but What are you trying to achieve broadly? What is this e-commerce platform trying to achieve, this company? They're trying to achieve collaboration, internal communication, and reducing silos. They called it breaking down barriers internally within. So everything we did, it tied back to the CEO and CIO's objective of improving productivity for their employees, improving collaboration, and breaking down silos. So as long as we're hitting on these line of business value stories, but tying them back to the overall vision and why it was important to this customer, that's what helped it tie together. And they're like, they had that aha moment and understood that Slack was the right way to go. Can I zoom in a little bit on like the specifics of some of your meetings? Because you're getting some really powerful insights, like the story that you just told Like there was a clear, compelling vision for where this business was going. And you were able to tie every single interaction to how it supported that vision. But like on my first call with somebody, sometimes I need to do some work to get them to open up and I need to give a little bit and share a little bit. Like, can you tell me your first 30 minute Zoom call, you sit down with Armand, who's our CIO, like 
What do you say to start the conversation? How do you structure those? Like, what does that call look like? First meeting with Armand, I'm going to do, of course, a background check. I'm going to take a look at his Twitter. I'm going to take a look at the 30 MPC Twitter account. What are you guys doing? What are you looking to achieve? What does Armand like to do on the weekend outside of work? Because he's a human and trying to go into that meeting to connect on a human level. It's not just Tanima and Armand, I'm the salesperson and you're the CIO. I am a human and I'm trying to connect with you. Again, that helps build that trust and credibility and authenticity. I'm really trying to help you achieve something. I'm not just another salesperson. So I think that's super, super important. And then giving him a little, again, going back to my actionable takeaways, giving him a little bit before I ask for anything. So I'm going to share like, hey, Armand, thanks so much for taking the meeting. I really appreciate it. I work with other companies like yours, other podcast companies like yours. And this is what I'm hearing from these CIOs and your friends and peers. They're really concerned about how are they increasing their reach? How are they improving their social presence? How are they driving quality conversations? How are they thinking of this content? Is that something that's important to you? Is that something that you're finding? And that helps open up the conversation. So right there, very naturally, I've shared stories of other customers, but I wove it in with, is this what you're seeing? Discovery. And then also kind of giving him the platform to speak and share his experience. Everyone likes sharing, man. We're human. We like to share experiences. So giving him that platform to open up and really taking the time in that first meeting, what's most important is just listening, being an active listener, listening to keywords Armand keeps calling out. That helps me develop a stronger point of view and conjecture of what I think and how I think I can help him. You mentioned that you want to meet with both the CIO and the CIO's lieutenants. How does, if at all, your approach change between if you're meeting with a lieutenant versus meeting with the top dog? You don't want to just go straight to the CIO, right? I don't want to be assumptive. I just read your 10K or I saw your activity online and this is what I think. He already knows what he thinks. I don't need to tell him what he thinks. That's why it's really important to come in with that thoughtful lens. Like, this is what I've read. This is what I understand. Is this something you're interested in? When to get to that, I think it's really important to speak to those lieutenants. You want to speak to the analysts, the managers, the people's reports. What are they facing? What are they focused on? What kind of a leader is that CIO? What is their strategy? What are their goals? What's the priority? And understanding that, listening to their language, again, being an active listener, and taking that messaging back to Armand, the CIO, right? And when you speak to the CIO, that's really interesting that you shared that. I heard that from from Nick, your VP of IT. He shared this concern with me. I know he's really focused on this. So again, you're showing that you've done your homework and you're coming at it with a thoughtful lens and the intent to help, not just sell. Now, when you're talking to those lieutenants, like Nick, the director of IT, Are you reaching out on your own behalf, knowing that you've got a meeting with Armand in two weeks, or are you waiting till you meet with Armand, asking for an introduction? How are you getting access to those people? And sometimes it's probably different. Do you have a preferred way? It could be general outreach. Let's say we book a meeting with the CIO first, with Armand. And Nick has, we've been pounding, pounding Nick with emails and phone calls, and Nick just won't respond. 
maybe next time around that we reach out to him, it's going to be with the message, hey, we have a meeting booked with your CIO, Armand. Would love to get 30 minutes of your time to just understand your perspective and what is important to you so that we can go and have an intelligent conversation with Armand. And that usually works to get that meeting because that guy's going to be like, oh, snap, you're going to be talking to my manager or my boss. I want to make sure to get inserted into this conversation and share my perspective. Now, do you ever run into scenarios where you have the meeting with the CIO and he says, all right, I want you to go talk to my whole team now. And you end up talking to Nick, who's this like begrudgingly like disgruntled director of IT who just like doesn't want to open up or share any information. Like what's your approach in a scenario like that? Oh, thousand percent. So many disgruntled IT employees. (laughs) I think there's a bit of just finesse in being able to handle and de-escalate a situation or emotions I think that's an art. I don't know that there's a science to it. I I think just acknowledging being empathetic to that person and their struggles and trying to disarm them by showing that you're listening. You're not just another salesperson. Nick is frustrated because Armand hasn't speaking to a variety of different vendors and he doesn't have time. He has to go do his project. So really disarming him and say, hey, I get it, Nick. I'm sure you have so much on your plate. And I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. I'm just trying to understand to help you better. If if it doesn't make sense after, you know, this conversation, if it doesn't make sense and doesn't look like I can help you, let's just part ways. But I think being able to come in, be empathetic, be an active listener, and really put yourself in that person's shoes and how you would react helps diffuse that situation. Tanima, we're running out of time here. We got to move to our final question now. So you've been wonderful and you've shared a lot of really good best practices for salespeople to be doing. Now we got to flip that on its head. And I want to ask you about a bad habit. So the last question is this, like, what's a bad habit that you see a lot of salespeople exhibiting that you think they need to stop doing because it's hurting them more than it's helping? Showing up and throwing up reaching out, hi, my name's Tanima, and I want to talk to you for 10 minutes. Can I get 10 minutes of your time? And can you tell me if this is okay? I don't think that that it's all about me. It's all about what I can do, what I need, what I want. I think it's really important to be customer focused and come with, I'm giving you something, then I'm going to ask for something back as opposed to, I'm going to throw all these things at you and whatever sticks, that's how I'm going to go. There you go. No spaghetti on the wall. Tanima, thank you so much for joining us. Anything you want to plug before we jump off here? Yeah, absolutely. I recently just joined a new team at a company called Productive. We're here in Palo Alto. It's a Series C startup, and we are growing. So if you are passionate, if you're looking to make an impact in a high-growth team, an immediate impact, we would love to speak to you. So please feel free to reach out. Beautiful. Everybody, go contact Tanima. She's an amazing sales leader and salesperson and person. I've gotten to hang out with her this whole episode. So thanks so much for listening and stick around for a 60 second recap from me and Armand coming up soon. 
Today's prospecting tip is brought to you by Woodpecker. When you're sending a sales email, you generally want to avoid putting punctuation in the subject line. If you've got an exclamation point, it makes it seem like you're shouting at them. Look at this amazing offer. And a question mark just smells salesy. So avoid punctuation. Now, if you want to steal my full sales cadence from my friends at Woodpecker, there's a link in the show notes for you to go get it and try it for free. Otter AI's Otter Pilot for Sales gives you the freedom to sell on your discovery calls by taking notes for you. One of the best ways to deepen your discovery is to ask your prospect about the impetus behind their goals. So when a prospect tells me they want to advertise on more sales podcasts, I'll say, well, it's not every day that you wake up and decide you want to sponsor a podcast. What's causing you to even explore this in the first place? Now, we put together the ultimate discovery checklist with our friends at Otter AI, which you can get for free at the link in the show notes. Here's my secret to being a sales superhuman. It's auto reminders for everything. If I expect any reply from a prospect, I press command H and superhuman pops it right back into my inbox if I don't get a reply in two days. That means if you handle an objection, if you suggest times for a meeting, or if you ask for cuts back on red lines, always create a two-day reminder task and assume they will not reply. So if you want to follow up on time every time, you can get a free month of superhuman by checking it out in the show notes. Your top four takeaways from this episode with Tony Khan include number one, when you're reaching out to accounts, try to segment them or segment your cadences based off of the industry they're in or the persona or whatever it might be. Don't just throw the same messaging at a retail client versus an e-commerce client. Number two, when you're reaching out to one division, let's say it's the CFO and you get that first meeting, do not stop reaching out to the CIO, the CRO, the CMO. They have different use cases that you're going to have to stitch together. Ideally, you get a referral, but it's not always going to happen. Number three, in your first meeting, you should always give a little bit. So don't just interrogate over and over. Say, hey, come in with a perspective on here's what I'm hearing in the market and see if that resonates with them. And then lastly, number four, yes and. When people ask for a demo, you should always, always, always avoid going right to the demo. However, you should solve it by saying, yes, I would totally love to show you some software just so I know what to show you. Would you mind telling me how you think about this one thing? So turn that demo ask into a discovery question. Alrighty, Nick, how can people help us out? Well, yet again, I'm on LinkedIn and I'm seeing people singing praises of our moderately entertaining podcast who aren't connected to you or me, Armand. And I'm thinking, maybe we're just not people that the audience wants to connect with. But if you do send us a LinkedIn connection request, I will accept as long as you're not trying to sell me Bitcoin or leads. That's it. Thanks for listening. See you next week on 30 Minutes to President's Club. This week's actionable prospecting tactic is from Sixth Sense, who shows you the prospects who are most likely to buy so you can get more meetings with fewer activities. Personalizing cold emails requires you to only change the first paragraph in a trigger template. All you have to do is tie the research to the problem you solve in paragraph one, and then switch that out while you leave paragraphs two and three, your solution and call to action, exactly the same. And so we are giving you six of these trigger templates with our partners at Sixth Sense. The link is in the show notes. Gong's going to help you run the five-minute drill at the end of all of your calls today. At the end of a call, pressure test the prospect with three questions. Number one, do you want to buy? If the answer is no, why set a next step at all? Number two, when do you want to buy? If it's tomorrow, we got to move fast. Number three, how do you buy? 
Based on the first two answers, I can now adequately decide if and how I set a next step. And this was stolen from the Gong 30 MPC 90 Minute Masterclass, and you can steal it too in the show notes.